You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back. Welcome in. This is Country Roads Confidential at Earsports.com. We are part of the Paramount Podcast Network. One more day here with our Big 12 opponent previews for West Virginia takes us to Austin, Texas, and the Texas Longhorns, specifically Horns 24-7 and the, I don't know, the the amazing, brilliant, plugged-in colonist down there, Chip Brown, has the scoop on, seems like everything, everybody in Austin. Um, I've heard a great anecdote about you, Chip. Uh-oh. You ready? I'm ready. You do not go into an establishment in Austin until you leave with a phone number or a connection. Yeah. Yeah, I always say some people collect wine, some people collect comic books i collect phone numbers when i was when i was teaching i was teaching adjunct level journalism classes and um one of our colleagues joel cox came in and talked to them and he said that like if you want to get connected you have to work on it and he told me in my class that that like you're going to go somewhere and you're going to be somewhere do something to be somebody and he mentioned that you always go in there get a business card or a phone number make a connection and starbucks a restaurant bar a haircut, whatever. It seems like you know somebody because you have made, taken the time and it pays off because no one does it better when it comes to Austin's main preoccupation, Texas Longhorns. And that's why we're here today. We're going to talk about the team that's always back that has won the offseason once again, but has this one, maybe two awkward seasons left in the Big 12, but it could be really exciting this year. Um, I think the theme of the season, it's the end sooner or later for them. So let's start at the end. Um, how does this end for Texas? It seems like all the momentum off the field, positive direction. Things are shaping out to be something big, but that's not entirely new, and they haven't had the best success on the field. So it's somewhat similar to past scripts, but is this any different? Is this a team or a season that actually cashes in on all the good things it's done up to this point? Yeah, well, Michael, the the 2021 season was so – weird because they got off to that four and one start. They, they led Oklahoma 28, seven in the first quarter. And that first half was sort of every Texas Longhorn fans, red river shootout dream. And, and then they don't close the deal. Caleb Williams comes in, uh, you know, turns the, the dream into a nightmare. And, and then we, then it repeats itself you know, against Oklahoma state the next week. And then against Baylor where they've got double digit third quarter leads. And so the narrative sort of changed from, we hope to see Oklahoma again in the big 12 title game to, you know, we need our guys in here. And so flash forward to the, you know, 40% roster turnover uh, and Steve Sarkeesian's already, you know, got it down. 57 of his 85 scholarship players are freshmen or sophomores. So I've been saying that eight wins and Arch Manning would be a successful step in 2022 for the Longhorns. Well, they got the commitment from Arch Manning probably earlier than most people thought on uh, June 26th. And now they just got to come up with eight wins and it's a tricky schedule because uh, obviously there are a lot of unknowns in the big 12 this year, but 
one thing that is known is Alabama with Hmm. Bryce Young and Will Anderson coming into Austin on September 10th. And that um, Steve Sarkeesian has said, will, well, show how far they've come or expose how far they have to go. So uh, that's, you know, that's one of those games that's going to test where this program is, where the culture is uh, from a handling adversity standpoint, because they could not handle adversity at all last year. You know, you lose at home to Kansas um, on top of that six game losing streak, the longest in program history since 1956. So I'm not one of these that's ready to jump out and say, Oh, you know, Quinn Ewers and all these incredible transfers have come in uh, and they may well be incredible transfers who can help transform things. But until they show they know how to win and handle adversity, I'm not ready to give them that. So to me, eight wins is, you know, that's good. You know, I think you play on the road at Texas Tech, at Oklahoma State, at K-State. Um, people are thinking Texas Tech is not much, but, you know, they were trending under Matt Wells toward having a, a big year in 2022. We'll see. Um, and Oklahoma State judge uh, or under undervalue Uh, Mike Gundy's ability to reload at your own peril and K-State this might be the best team that Chris Kleiman's had so not to mention West Virginia coming in with uh, Graham Harrell running the offense and JT Daniels at quarterback so you know Texas has got to show they can they can finish games and they know how to impose their will on teams I thought I thought the team played more physically under Tom Herman than they did last year under Steve Sarkeesian. And that may be because of the new coaching staff. It was a bit of a, you know, Sarkeesian put his defensive staff together um, pretty much all of the position coaches before he named Pete Kwiatkowski, the defensive coordinator. So now they got Gary Patterson as a special assistant to Steve Sarkeesian and, Patterson's got ideas and he's been doing the opponent scout. He knows the big 12. And, and so I, it's, it's going to be a fascinating year in Austin, but they, they need to show progress obviously uh, from that five and seven. And uh, I've got it at, at eight and four in the regular season. Uh, yeah. It's, it's a fascinating program period because everything that's happened, but also all the storylines of the season that you've, leveled or laid out so many of them on the on just the ground level here but the more you get into this the more you discover and one of my favorite things to read chip is your your morning brew there because it has so many i don't know pieces of inside information behind the scenes stuff so this is teed up for you here we're going to go kind of beneath the surface here i think anybody who follows texas is wise to check out your site our network if they want to know about texas they're going to go over to your place and see what you guys are saying over there um so we all know the top of the mind stuff what is something beneath the surface that you've heard people have whispered about? They've told you in confidence that you can share. You think it's going to be really important. Someone, something, an angle, an approach, a tactic that maybe right now it's not a big deal. But once the season gets going, it's going to become apparent that it really matters. What has your attention? Well, I think we thought that defensively they would be better than they were last year. And they were terrible. I mean, they gave up 200 yards rushing per game, 5.2 yards per carry. 
uh, 31 points per game. Uh, Pete Kwiatkowski had said that his goal as a defensive coordinator every year, no matter what, is to hold opponents to 20 points or less. And that was um, a big miss. And there were, you know, there is a lot of talent up front defensively, but it just hasn't shown. And so I think that's where you have to keep your eye focused because Sarkeesian's bought himself time with the quarterbacks that he's brought in with Quinn Ewers and now the commitment from Arch Manning. But defensively, having Gary Patterson as a special assistant, does he help Uh, Pete Kwiatkowski understand the Big 12 more? Does he help with um, the communication or whatever is needed on that that? in that defensive coaching room uh, because Bo Davis, the defensive line coach got a raise from 900,000 to a million dollars in the off season. So they have four assistant coaches now making a million dollars. That's a first in Texas football history. Maybe it's a first in any program, Um, but that's, that's where my focus is. The, the defense has got to be tied together better and you know they don't have a lot of sure things at cornerback they've moved three players from other positions to safety Anthony Cook from nickel um, to safety Uh, Keaton Crawford from corner to safety and Mo Blackwell from linebacker to safety And all three of those guys, along with Jaron Thompson, are expected to be on the field. And so you've just got these unknowns that I think are kind of flying under the radar under underneath all the glitz and glam of the offense and the the transfer of Quinn Ewers to Texas of Ajayi Hall, the, the highly talented but somewhat temperamental wide receiver from Alabama, Isaiah Nayer. From Wyoming, 12 touchdown catches last year, led the Mountain West. He's six foot three, uh, big catch radius, and makes contested catches. And Texas didn't seem to have a receiver outside of uh, Jordan Whittington and, and Xavier Worthy who could make a contested catch last year. It's amazing. If you look at all the scholarships Texas has given to receivers over the last five, six, seven years and how few – have panned out. And then here comes Xavier worthy as a true freshman and breaks all the records, 12 touchdown catches, um, you know, just an unbelievable year as a true freshman. And so I think the defensive side gets lost and, you know, Gary Patterson sitting there is tempting for Steve Sarkeesian. If things get off to a tough start, here you've got this guy who's got all kinds of defensive pedigree in the Big 12. Does he does he stick with the course or does he change course? And so I think that's one of those stories that's just kind of below the radar. And, of course, no one's going to talk about that now because uh, Pete Kwiatkowski, he's been there a year as the defensive coordinator, and he's a, he's a very successful defensive coordinator. He was fantastic at Washington with Chris Peterson. So – um, you know, it's a bit of a reset for him. And, and so I think that's something that uh, everyone, you know, should keep an eye on if there's 
you know, great defensive improvement. I think Gary Patterson's probably going to get some of the credit for that. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Let's stick with um the coaching and the staff, and, and in particular Sarkeesian. He's um I, he's like a very human figure just because of his story, and it seems from afar he's been pretty transparent about just everything from football to life and things like that, and then that maybe has helped him so much with his response this off season too, which is kind of what I focus on. I don't know how real the danger was for him last year, but people weren't happy. Um, I don't know how unhappy they were. You can fill us in on that. But I think a lot of times you hire a coach not to get into trouble, but in the event they get in trouble, can they get out of it um, on the field, off the field, recruiting wins and losses, whatever. It sure seems like he's done it. The transfer portal has been very good. As you said, he's bought himself time with the, the quarterbacks he's landed too. Patterson on the coaching staff, but man, also um, Brendan Marion came in from Pitt. That should help the the offense and the passing game there too, which is a great thing if you have the quarterbacks and the receivers. I just wonder about the damage control that he has performed this offseason and and how much that has surprised and maybe satisfied people down there. Yeah, I, I think he's done a, a good job on that. He came right out and said during this tour uh, that the coaches did, the head coaches. Um, football, Chris Beard, basketball, Vic Schaefer, the women's basketball coach. Um, they did a little, you know, booster tour back in um, early summer. And Steve Sarkeesian said he did not do a good enough job of getting his team <clears throat> to connect with each other and with the coaches while they were displaced from uh, their football complex, which was still undergoing some renovation that was not completed until August, um, you know, mid August. So it, you know, they were all over the place in meeting rooms, they were meeting in suites in the North end of the football stadium. And, and he felt like he didn't do a good enough job of team building. And so he's placed a big emphasis on that. Now. Um, I think anytime you can look in the mirror and say, and he said, I failed and, and say that you failed. That's a positive, uh, certainly coming off the Tom Herman era, which, you know, he said, I, he, he would never say he was out coached ever, like even in games where he was clearly out coached. So there was very little that was Tom Herman's fault. I think it was part of the personality, um, you know, sort of, um, rift that grew between Tom Herman and the administration and 
And so Steve Sarkeesian comes in, like you said, he's a guy who's looked in the mirror um, because of his past flaws. And in you're hearing that in the recruiting, you know, when players like Arch Manning, they talk about how authentic Steve Sarkeesian is. Um, you know, I think he has learned some life lessons. Now he's got to, he's got to show he can win. Um, Mike, because, you know, his best season as a head coach is a nine win season at USC. And then, and then he got fired at USC. So it, when, you know, when you compare that to Gary Patterson, who's won six conference championships, he's won a Rose bowl. Um, Steve Sarkeesian has unbelievable offensive prowess. And that's why he got hired at Texas. They thought he was a guy who could match wits with Lincoln Riley and, and develop quarterbacks like Lincoln Riley and, and now Lincoln Riley's at USC, but um, Steve Sarkeesian's got to take those steps and show that, that he is um, a guy who's ready to win as a head coach, whose, whose life lessons can be uh, applicable to his players and in, in getting them to handle adversity and all that. So he is, he's a fascinating guy. I think he's, uh, very, he has a tight inner circle. He's not, I mean, he's good with the media, but he's not, you know, he does, he does the bare minimum. And, and I think, you know, based on what he's been through in the past and a lot of times at Texas head coaches come here worried about all the various elements that can, can impact the football program from big money donors to, uh, people in the administration uh, to the media who can dilute his message to his players. And so I think he's, he's more Nick Saban than he is Pete Carroll. Let's put it that way in terms of, of how he, he doesn't let his coordinators talk to the media. He doesn't let his assistant coaches talk to the media. And we've had one opportunity to talk to those assistants and it was, uh, after they got hired and we haven't really talked to them since. And that's, that's, that kind of tells you where things are. He wants the message to come from him, not from anyone else along the lines of Nick Saban and Bill Parcell. So uh, it's, it's, he's an interesting character for sure. Lots of control seeking to exert on the staff. That's a difficult thing to do. So especially when the program is as fast as Texas, um, when it is as big as Texas, there's going to be a lot of star power. Um, no shortage of talent on this roster. Um, you could look at offense. You could look at defense. You look at special teams and, and find players here. Um, where do you begin? Who are the brightest stars on this roster that are going to make a splash in 22? Well, I don't think there's any doubt that the, the running back room may be the best in the country. I mean, Bijan Robinson, yes, everyone knows about Bijan Robinson, but Roshan Johnson, I mean, Roshan Johnson is one of the better stories on the team. And I talked to NFL scouts and they love this guy. I mean, he's, he's a guy who will do it all. He'll do it. He, he came in as a quarterback. He changed to running back uh, when they had some injuries three years ago. And then he, you know, was talking to Tom Herman and said, look, if you think I can have an impact at running back, I'll stay at running back. Otherwise I'll go back to quarterback. And they said, you know, the way that you've trained yourself to play running back, you're, we can use you as a running back. And they did. And 
Last year against K-State, both quarterbacks were injured. Uh, Casey Thompson and Hudson Card were both injured. Casey Thompson with a thumb, Hudson Card with an ankle, uh, ankle injury, he suffered against West Virginia. And Roshan Johnson ended up playing quarterback, wildcat style, ran it 30 times, and was the difference in Texas winning that game, ending the six-game losing streak and uh, finishing the season on a, on a winning note. And that guy is the big biggest vocal leader on the team. Uh, and so, you know, he's a big, big part of the puzzle. Uh, and then you, you know, you add in Keelan Robinson and Jonathan Brooks and, and even the true freshman, Jaden blue, who we haven't seen yet, but I've heard some good things already. Uh, that room is loaded. And then at receiver, they're loaded with um, all the guys I mentioned earlier, Xavier Worthy, Jordan Whittington, Isaiah Nair, Ajayi Hall. Um, and then Brennan Thompson, who ran a 10-200 uh, in the high school state meet, is a true freshman who's already drawing kind of the same praise from teammates that Xavier Worthy drew during the summer last year. So, you know, question marks you've got, you know, tight end offensive line, but offensively, and then quarterback, obviously the billing, um, the hype, um, the recruiting ranking around Quinn Ewers uh, has everyone already anointing him, but defensively, you know, DeMarvin Overshawn is a guy who's coming back for his fifth year, COVID year. And he moved from safety. He's a lightning fast linebacker, but he didn't have the strength. He, he was one of the last guys to report in 2020 from the COVID year because he was home working, helping his family pay the bills. And then in 21, he had a shoulder injury that kept him from really being able to put on the kind of strength muscle that he needed to. And he's finally had that off season. And so we'll see how that translates to play on the field. Um, but Alfred Collins up front. I mean, this is a guy who's what NFL teams play with and um you know Tavondre Sweat, Byron Murphy, all those guys physically have the the tools. It's just can the coaches put them in the right position to be successful? Um and you know at that point, Mike, it gets a little, you know, there are a lot of question marks. As I mentioned, you know, cornerback, safety, even linebacker beyond DeMarvey and Overshawn, they're counting on a guy named Jalen Ford who should be ready for prime time, but until we see it, we don't know. And so, you know, that's, those are the, those are the key names to keep an eye on. All right. We started at the end with how you thought the season would go. Everything in the big 12 starts at the quarterback position. So we're going to end at the beginning here. I can't think of a, of a quarterback room situation, platoon, whatever now and in the future that's more intriguing than Texas. Um, I don't know what to expect from you words, except that everybody loves him. Um, and here comes Arch Manning, but they also have other guys there who were pretty touted players in high school that could play for or start for a number of other programs. So I, I don't know how high the hype is and how long the leash is for yours, but if it's on him, there's so much talent on offense. Maybe somebody else gets a chance. Maybe it's ride or die with yours because if it's on him this year, you got Manning coming in next year. I, I'll stop babbling. What do we make of the quarterback position at Texas? Yeah, I, I think uh, Quinn Ewers is going to end up being the guy. The question is, when is it going to be 
in mid-August? Is it going to be after Alabama? Is it going to be, you know, three games in, four games in, whatever? But it's ultimately going to be Quinn Ewers. Hudson Card, unless he can just change his personality, I think showed last year that he's he may not have the 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 makeup uh, to be the quarterback at Texas, where you've got to be uh, a, a a leader. You got to be a vocal leader. You got to be a guy that everyone uh, will follow. And Hudson Card got in. Look, he was a freshman last year, redshirt freshman, uh, first year of Steve Sarkeesian's offense. It's a it's a complicated or voluminous, I should say, voluminous offense, tons of uh, protections, motions, all that. But when things got tough, he hung his head, he got quiet, and that just isn't going to work. He, he lacks pocket presence. Now, we've seen guys make big jumps in an offseason, but Quinn Ewers is a guy that players are drawn to. He's got a lot of confidence. He's a bit like Brett Favre. I mean, he turned it over a lot in the spring, and no one talked about it, but my sources said, it wasn't even close, like the number of interceptions that Quinn Ewers threw compared to Hudson Card. He's got to get that fixed, obviously, by getting the offense down to the point where, um, you know, he's not just gunslinging like Brett Favre, a young Brett Favre out there, because uh, that will not work for Steve Sarkeesian, won't work for any team, <laughs> but um, particularly Steve Sarkeesian. So it's going to be fascinating to see how Quinn Ewers adjusts. Quinn Ewers has not played, he hasn't, excuse me, he's not started a football game since his junior year in high school. He reclassified <laughs> and left high school early, went to Ohio State in you know late August. I mean, he had no fall camp, no nothing. It was just weird. I don't think Ohio State even expected him to do that. And so last year was kind of a lost year, except for the NIL money that he, you know, apparently received. And and then you know, now he's had a chance to get to know his teammates through spring and summer. And he, he's part of the team going into this 2022 season. So I think that's how this thing shapes up. There's another really interesting quarterback in the room that no one's talking about named Malik Murphy, who led his team. to. A I was going to, I was going to interrupt you and be like, here we are. We haven't even mentioned Murphy yet. <laughs> yeah. And he is the big personality, Mike. He is the guy. When he walks in the locker room, he lights it up. All the players are drawn to him. He is every bit of six five. Um, he had a really serious ankle injury. He suffered in that state championship game in December, so he's he was basically a spectator in the spring. But um, if he he should be good to go in fall camp, we'll see how quickly he can pick up the offense. And in a lot of ways, to me, he's the guy who needs to sort of be the glue. Uh, in that room, you know, Hudson Card's probably going to get offers. If he doesn't get the job, uh, he'll have opportunities to play elsewhere. I don't know. Um, he's pretty close to graduating in three years, so he might uh, get his degree from Texas and, and go elsewhere if he's not the guy. If he is, it's a, you know, obviously a totally different story. But I think Malik Murphy is a really interesting guy. And of course, Steve Sarkeesian prides himself on being able to say that. In 2002, at USC, he had Carson Palmer winning the Heisman Trophy. He had Matt Castle, and he had Matt Leinart. And he, of course, chose Matt Leinart to be the starter in 03. 
Um, Matt Castle never started a game at quarterback at USC, but went on uh, to a 15 year NFL career. And, you know, his, his selling point to having a stacked quarterback room is I'm going to get you ready for the NFL, even if you're not playing. And so uh, we'll see in this day and age with the transfer portal, that is a much tougher sell as we know. So, uh, but I think Texas fans see it where Quinn Ewers, because he was the number one overall recruit in, in 2021, uh, they see him as winning the job at some point this year, being the starter in 23 while Arch Manning's redshirting. And if Quinn Ewers is as good as uh, everyone thinks he is, you know, he's a, a two year and out to the NFL draft uh, player and Arch Manning takes over in 2024. Now, a thousand different things could happen between now and then uh, that could change that line of thinking. But uh, I think that's, that's where the quarterback situation stands right now. I think that about covers 40 acres of territory there, Chip. Can't ask for a better source of information there. Can't ask for. A- well, and I have to say kick uh, Dicker, the kicker <laughs> turn turn Dicker, the punter is gone. And that's a big deal because Texas just, they were spoiled. They've had really good kicking the last uh, decade. Yeah. And so they may be relying on a true freshman this year, uh, kicking field goals and Will Stone. And um, the punter is another Aussie uh, import and Isaac Pearson. We'll see uh, how well he, he does it. So uh, no more Dick or the kicker. All right, now I think that about covers everything. That covers it. A man named for my heart there talking about special teams at the very end. You, you, you got to get the necessary stuff in, Chip, so I'm glad you That's did That's right. Uh, listen, thanks for the time, man. Thanks for all the information. As always, appreciate it, and we will do this soon. Okay, take care. When you have sports mixed with your pop culture, along with humor and celebrity interviews, your earbuds are enjoying the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Orlovsky, are you still a Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy? I think the three things that make it stand out for me are, number one, I think his ball placement versus man coverage is the best in the draft. Every quarterback in the NFL is accurate. He's got the best on tape. Number two, most transferable stuff to the NFL. And then I think the third thing is pocket peace. Search for the Rich Eisen Show on YouTube or wherever you listen.